Welcome to the show. Great to be with you today. A beautiful day outside and in the studio with the world famous Adam Cock. Adam, how you doing, man? Hey, Paul. Doing great. How are you, man? It's kind of been a while. Yeah. You know, we took a little, a little, a little hiatus. We had all these holidays, man. Yeah, holidays, and then we've had some surprise things happening down here in the South, like snow. Yeah, it's crazy. It's this white, flaky thing that covers everything it really is like an anomaly it's like yeah it's like if it was like raining starfish or something <laughs> like people freak out go outside like what is this and then in the south like if you're listening in the south like everything shuts down yeah like we're just not ready for everything it. so it's it snowed for one day and then it was mm-hmm. still a little icy the next day and the next day but schools were closed for the whole week yeah and i couldn't get home Literally, I was flying in from New York, and I was stuck in New Orleans for three days, which is two hours away, because I couldn't drive on the roads, because we don't have things called salt trucks or whatever they use in the north. Bulldozers, salt trucks. Yeah, they don't, we don't. we just don't have the gear or the equipment. I was so desperate. I was like, I'll just go buy some salt and like, donate it, it even to the, the yeah, city. <laughs> even the interstates were closed. <clears throat> it was crazy, but uh, yeah. you know, it was one of those things where it rarely happens here, mm-hmm. you know? It snows maybe once every three or four years. Yeah. And it snowed twice already much. this mm-hmm. year. It's been crazy. So anyway, people's pipes busted on their house. And yeah. People getting stuck and wrecking and, you know, you know, people in the South trying to drive in the ice, which they've never <laughs> done before. So many accidents. So cool. many accidents. It's really kind of crazy. So anyway, great to be with you today, man. Yeah. Safe and warm. Yeah. Safe and warm. So anyway... Um, have you seen what's happening? What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real though? <laughs> for real, you gotta, you didn't even let me finish my sentence. That was amazing. Uh, so apparently you can marry someone like 30,000 feet up in the air. Whoa. Yeah. What you talking about, Willis? Yeah. So did you see this? Uh, Pope Francis, uh, blessed, uh, civil marriage on the papal jet. Wow. Yeah, I did yep. see this. It's pretty neat. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like a, a, an episode of, you know, some crazy sitcom, but now, it's... Now, it's, I know some people are freaking out, right? And yeah. here's the thing. I kind of freaked out a little bit, too. When you see the the um, the article title, you're like, whoa. And I really wish people wouldn't do this to article titles, but they do them to catch your attention. Yep. And you can literally, like today, and I know a lot of people do it, because I do it, is you can read a title... And judge the article and never read the article. Oh, yeah. That's standard. It's standard. So then you can go somewhere and be like, yeah, do you know what so-and-so did? Because <laughs> I read the title and <laughs> I, I really dislike that person because they did that. Yeah. And you don't really know what happened. So apparently the Holy Father blessed some, uh, a couple's marriage on an airplane on his trip yeah. from Chile to uh, another country. and uh, But the, that's all the the... The title of the article said. Right. He married on a plane. But I mean, they were civilly married for well over a decade. Right. And apparently about 10 years ago, they want, they went to have their marriage blessed. They had marriage preparation. Right. And the week before their wedding, an earthquake destroys their church parish. What are the odds? <laughs> so they say, well, look, when they rebuild it, we'll do it. But they never did. Now it's 10 years ago. So hearing all this, Pope Francis says, well, you've done all the classes. You've been living as a married couple for all these years. Let's just bless it right now. Yeah, so when you click the article and you read it, 
you come to understand what actually happened, mm -hmm. right? When you don't read the article and you just read the, the title, uh, then you have a huge misunderstanding. So these were flight attendants, um, a husband and wife married civilly. The Pope knew them uh, mm -hmm. and had been talking to them, meeting with them, figured out that they had had the classes, uh, the marriage prep stuff. The only thing that they hadn't done up to this point was actually had the marriage blessed. And so he went ahead and did it right, yeah. on, the, right on the plane. I'm pretty sure I'm not positive, okay, but right. I'm pretty sure this was the first papal marriage on a plane in the history of the church. Probably. Probably. Which, I mean, that's a pretty cool story. Yeah, so there are people in the United States I know that got married, and then they fly to Rome, and then they have their marriage blessed by the Pope through his, like, Wednesday audience or whatnot, which would be really cool. But if you were on a plane, you're a flight attendant, the Pope, and then all of a sudden he's like, yeah, let's just do this right now. Yeah. Like, so like they took off not knowing this was going to happen, and then they landed with their marriage blessed by the Pope. Right. That's pretty neat. Yeah. I'd be super proud of that. I'd have pictures on my wall, maybe get them to autograph it. Something. Like this is, this is important people. Yeah. Yeah, I would, I would love to have my marriage blessed by the Pope. A Pope. <laughs> Well, and back to your point about the headlines, I think it's dangerous in general to do that, but it could be eternally dangerous to do that with the church. Because today we have so many articles being written by so many sources that we could actually build animosity in our heart towards members of the church, especially in the hierarchy. Right. That is completely needless. Not to say well, we don't disagree with people, mm -hmm. but the animosity that's fueled, I mean, that's eternally dangerous right there. Yeah, and and headlines are they're clickbait. Yeah. Like they want to garner your attention, but they're also, because people don't read articles much, th they also sum up the article or whatever through, through the headline, and then people don't read. And it's just, oh, uh, you know, so there was a wreck here, or the weather happened here, or there was a bomb that went off here, or this country leader said this. We simply just gather our information from the headline. But if you actually click and read the article, that's where you get the information. Mm -hmm. So when you click and read the article, like I actually learned something by reading the article of the of the civil marriage being blessed by the Pope. Like I, like I had a little catechesis of my own. I, I uh -huh. learned, you know, what it's like. And you know, it's interesting to me when you read about the early church and you read about catechesis and, uh, you know, even formation, seminary for, priestly formation. Uh, most of this stuff happened outside of the context of the classroom. It was all in, in a sense of relationship and mentorship and and learning about the faith through, you know, the word catechesis means to echo down. So by being around someone and you just kind of taught me the faith by I just lived with you and was around you. And then one day you're like, you're ready to be Catholic. Boom, you just baptized me or confirmed me, right? So it wasn't yeah. this, this sort of, you know, we're used to, particularly in America, this classroom setting where everything's formal and civil uh, and the early church was all about like how jesus did it you know he had 12 guys that walked with him that's how he catechized them yeah and I then mean, they didn't even go to the seminary that's right he, he ordained them that's right remember right. that story about uh saint uh, ambrose who wasn't even baptized yet and he was elected the the bishop of milan right so that's how it was like here's this guy we really like this guy he's not even catholic yet but he'd make a great bishop, so they, boom, fast track to becoming a bishop. And I think that kind of scandalizes us today, you're right, because we assume, um, I don't know what we assume about the faith, but it's nice to hear these stories about 
reminding us that God is bigger than all of our little boxes and our structures. Now, I love the church. Don't get me wrong. And I love structures. Right. I love classes. I love seminaries. Yeah. I think we should have seminaries. No, that's not what we're but, talking about. But but yeah, but God is, is even bigger than all that. Yeah, and even the whole idea of catechism class and CCD, you know, all came about because, um, you know, there there was a, a huge amount of people uh, who just didn't know the faith. Mm-hmm. You know, and there had to be some type of formal way to 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 take to take the faith and be able to translate it to people and teach them. You know, and so it's all good. You know, guys need to get formed in the seminary, and there needs to be classes, and you know that that we don't have set up sort of this, everyone gets a mentor and a, you know, we, we not yet, not yet. <laughs> so what we have is good, but it can also, I think what the Pope's teaching us, it, it can be more relational. Mm-hmm. You know, what it would look like if all catechesis was relational, was maybe in a small group and was taught by, you know, people just really walking with other people. And that's what a lot of what we're lacking. Yeah, and we forget that, you know, he's, he's the dadgum Pope. Right, like I mean, he is the law in a sense. I mean, right. we have church law. It's just we forget that law is not superior to relationships and to the people that God has put in offices. Right. Um, you know, Saint Peter wrote the Bible, not the other way around. Right. So, right. you know, if the Pope decides this is an appropriate time to have a marriage, he's the Pope. Right. Yeah, he didn't go against church teaching. Now, you may not like his methodology. You may not mm. agree with that, but he didn't break any any church rules. Right. You know, when you read the article, right. doctrinally, like, you know, he, he, he followed doctrinally, um, within the confines of the laws and, you know, of what the church teaches. So mm-hmm. anyway, we got a great show. We actually have our first, um, I'm calling in, um, a friend, Chris, who's live on the scene, Washington, DC, the March for life. We're going to talk That's about awesome. that and really good stuff happening on the show. So thanks for listening in. It's the Paul George Show. We'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul George here. Great to be with you today. Excited about our guest as always. Good friend of mine from Phoenix, Arizona, Chris Faddis, Solidarity HealthShare, and at Benny Plates. Chris, how you doing today, man? Hey, doing great, Paul. I'm uh, here in D.C. Uh, at the March for Life, and my first time at experiencing this, so um, super excited to, to join together with a half million friends. Oh, that's exciting, so. man. Yeah, nothing like leaving the warmth of Phoenix, Arizona, heading out to Washington, D.C. in the cold, uh, but it's worth it. For those of you listening, talking to Chris Faddis, a uh, recurring guest, good friend of mine. We hit all sorts of topics and he's at the March for Life in Washington, D.C. For those of you guys listening, I have no idea what the March for Life is. March for Life is an annual event around the date of Roe versus Wade, which was the reversal of the abortion, uh, making it legal. And then every year, hundreds of thousands of people gather in D.C. and march to the Capitol to just have a peaceful demonstration to raise awareness and fight for the dignity of human life. How did it do there, Chris? Was that a good overview? 
That was perfect. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> as good as I would say. <laughs> yeah. So, so you're live on location, and I feel like just doing this. Uh, I feel like you know, uh, kind of being like you're like a news anchor or something, and be like, so live on. Right, lo- right. I'm like the, the field reporter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So live on location. I have uh, Chris Faddis down on the ground in Washington D.C. Chris, how you doing today? <laughs> hey, doing great, Paul. It's kind of windy out here. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Okay. So, so, um, so, so tell me what's going on this week. So you're out there for the, for the March for life for all those people who, who have been, but maybe for a lot of people who have never been to the March and have been to Washington DC during this time, maybe people's own diocese or parish does something around this date, Roe versus Wade. I know our diocese does something others, but there's something significant about going to Washington DC. What's it like there? What's the scene like there, um, during this time? Yeah. You know, it is, uh, it's filled with joy. I mean, it's incredible. You know, yesterday we had, uh, uh, we, we kicked off with, uh, you know, we're doing some meetings and stuff here in D.C., but, but with the events, you know, we kicked off with a, uh, with a luncheon for Catholic pro-life leaders with the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, and wow. Cardinal DiNardo and several bishops were there, and, and just being in the room with 400, you know, uh, Catholic leaders, four or five, I don't know, four or 500 people there having Mass, uh, and, then, and then just enjoying lunch together and just... You know, it's just such an encouraging time to, to be around these people who are truly making a difference, and, and it gives you so much hope, you know, for where we're headed. Um, and then last night, you know, Solidarity HealthShare, our organization, hosted an event to honor uh, two organizations that, that have really led the charge in pro-life, pro-women's health care, um, you know, two, two OBGYN clinics that are, that are truly running a, a pro-women's health care clinic and mm. serving women of all needs, you know, um, we honored them last night and just really uh, drove home the message of stepping out in faith to really develop great solutions for folks in healthcare to, to you know, to, to promote life. And so uh, it's just been an encouraging time. There's, you know, and you know, Paul, I mean, we both were in youth ministry. I certainly don't ever want to go back, but it's so encouraging to see how many teenagers are here. Yes. You know, and just to see how excited they are. And, you know, you, you almost want to jump in with the group, you know, like just, just be with them because there's just so much energy there. So it's really, it's really amazing, um, amazing thing. And everyone right now is kind of, there's all these pre-events before the march. I'm at the National uh, Right to Life Prayer Service that, that Priest for Life's hosting. There's a major event that, uh, that the diocese here hosts for, for youth at the Verizon Center. Um, you know, there's just all kinds of events going on. And then we all spill out to the streets in about 30 minutes, and, and we take the streets, and we, we march uh, to the Capitol. And and uh, we'll hear from the president today. We'll hear from several pro-life leaders, other VIPs. It's going to be a great day. No, that's phenomenal. Talking to Chris Faddis at Solidarity HealthShare. Um, yeah, my daughter's out there with her school, uh, Marie at John Paul the Great Academy. Uh, you know, they go out and march. Um, all, all these schools and these youth groups from around the country. And it's so interesting to see uh, the, a generation of young people who are willing to take a stand for life, their, their energy and their passion. Um, and it's such a great teaching moment for, for those of us who have worked with youth in our life. Such a great teaching moment to teach about the dignity of human life, isn't it? It really is. It's such a, it's so important to realize, you know, we just heard from, from uh, the Benham brothers, who were, were two brothers, former pro baseball players that were, had a show on HGTV and were basically canceled because of their pro-life beliefs mm. uh, right before the show aired. And, um, their their father was the pastor who converted Norma McClorgy, who was the role who was uh, 
Jane Roe in the Roe versus Wade. Wow. You know, so hearing the stories about how she asked for baptism, how she asked to become a Christian, uh, what an incredible witness, you know, to see that no matter what, even though we're, you know, several several decades into this fight and many lives have been lost, uh, you know, there is hope. There's hope. The person at the center of Roe v. Wade uh, converted to Christ and eventually became Catholic, and, and uh, we hope went on to her, you know, uh, eternal reward. And, and uh, God is good, and, and there's a lot of hope, even when it seems like there is no hope. You know, yeah, and you talk. Uh, that, that's what I what I'm hearing here. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I want to get to that the the hope that we have, and I want to ask you some specific questions. But you know, we've had you know contemporary saints um, basically say you know a, a a culture that doesn't respect life that that murders and kills their own in a sense is a culture that's falling in, falling apart on itself. And I think a lot of times we look at our culture, and, and the fact and the reality is is that abortion's legal. The reality is, is a lot of people in our country either believe that abortion should be legal or, you know, it should be a woman's right to decide whether the life should live or die. And, uh, you know, so a lot of times we can seem like there's, there is no hope, right? And so you mentioned this, this hope. What is the hope that you see with this generation and where we are in this battle with uh, abortion rights? You know, I, I would say that it's, it, <laughs> We've changed the conversation from, you know, from where it was, which was just a, kind of a he said, she said, right? This, mm-hmm. You know, uh, pro-life versus pro-choice. And I think what's happening right now is that we're seeing a movement where people are saying, you know what, rather than battling over this, <laughs> I'm going to just do better. I'm going to create a better model for people. I'm going to have a better women's clinic. I'm going to do better end-of-life care. We're going to do a better model rather than insurance that will take better care of people. And I think what I'm seeing, in, in especially kind of the, I don't know if it's the millennial generation or what generation we're in anymore, but, but what I'm seeing is people just saying, you know what, it's, you know, they're, they're trying to have conversations and looking at this in a consistent way and, and stepping out in faith and saying, you know what, I'm not going to live that way. I'm going to change the culture myself in my own life and the people around me. So as I'm here at these events, what I keep seeing is all these pockets of groups that have popped up of faithful people who who, you know, uh, believe in, in, in uh, the dignity of life, who are just doing great things in their own community to serve life, and that is what's changing the conversation. That's what's really uh, turning the tide, I think, uh, for life. I mean, you know, we're finally at a point again in America where more Americans believe that abortion uh, is wrong than the other way around. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's a great thing. We're, you know, there's, and I think the last thing, Paul, is, you know, um, we had last speak at our event and he said he said something that was really poignant he said the thing that we have to remember is even though the victory's not won completely the abortion's still legal there's still all these these battles the victory's been won by christ yeah and so while we're still you know dealing with the fallout of all these things today we march within victory because we know the victory of christ right and i think that's an important thing to remember when we get despairing you know <laughs> that there is victory. It's yep. already happened. We yep. just got to go carry it out. Yep. And, and I think you're right. You know, the hope is that the tide's turning in a sense of the majority of people, um, you know, believe that abortion should be, you know, illegal, that life has dignity. And even people who aren't necessarily practicing Christians are able to kind of see the reality that's taking place, the, the, the reality that life is important, that, that it has meaning, that, all these things, you know, so the conversation's changing, and the reality is, I think, instead of pointing fingers and arguing, 
uh, Christians are deciding to do better. Like you said, I love that point. They're deciding to love more and deeper. And, and it's just, it's just really cool to see, I, I, you know, uh, on, on the political landscape, you know, last year, I think the vice president spoke at the March for life this year. I think the president will, will at least show a video or whatever. Uh, I mean, at least on the political landscape too, you're seeing, uh, some things, but you guys there, I'm talking to Chris Fatta, Solidarity Hellshare. Uh, you guys are there on both ends. You, you're you're kind of there, you know, marching and uh, doing the whole thing. Uh, but you're also there on the political end. Uh, talk to me a little bit about what you guys are doing as as you lobby with Solidarity Healthshare for life issues. Yeah, you know, a big a big part of it is is really just lobbying for conscience. That that you know, we we think it's really. Uh, really a horrible thing that we have to come here and beg our federal government for permission to live our faith, mm. you know? And, and, uh, and so we're real, really talking to folks about, you know, we went, met with Senator Rand Paul's office yesterday and we met with uh, Senator Joni Ertz yesterday and, and several others, you know, uh, leaders and policymakers here in DC. And, you know, what we're talking about is what are some little changes we can make that allow conscience uh, rights that allow us to make these decisions for ourselves and, and to choose ethical care and so we're pushing for more and more ways to do that, you know, uh, hopefully extending health care sharing, uh, I'm sorry, health savings accounts and, you know, just protecting health care sharing, but ultimately pushing for the fact that we do deserve um, to be able to, to live our conscience out, live our faith out in our health care and our business decisions and everything else. You know, and one of the great things that happened yesterday, you know, kind of part of this is that um, the uh, Health and Human Services has launched a whole division now that's there to protect conscience. Hmm. And it's, it's headed by a, by a strong Catholic, uh, Roger Severino, and their job is literally to be there as a watchdog to protect conscience. So if a nurse is being told she's going to be forced to assist with an abortion, uh, the, the Weldon Amendment, which is supposed to protect healthcare care workers from, uh, from that, is now going to be enforced by the Health and Human Services. Wow. And that's a huge win yes. for conscience. You yes. know? And so we're celebrating that. It's a reprieve. It's certainly not everything. But we're just continuing to push. And ultimately, what we're, what we're hoping for, Paul, is that we can just continue to grow this movement of, of saying, let's reclaim health care for ourselves as Catholics and as Christians, um, because we can, I think we can do a better job, first of all, in compassion. <laughs> and second of all, I think that we're going to need to really have that control over our health care and have our conscience protected down the road. So do you see some some breakthroughs like that on the political landscape? So I know for a lot of us who aren't lobbyists, who who aren't involved in politics or, you know, don't it's just not our arena. Um, do you uh, being more on the front lines, see some breakthroughs on the political landscape with some of these laws? Yeah, there's lots of little glimmers of light. I would never, I wouldn't say we've had victories as much as we've had some little glimmers of hope. This, mm-hmm. this development of this, uh, this, you know, division to protect conscience is a big, is is a big win for sure. Uh, and, and it'll, it's important, especially because, you know, those kind of complaints that were that were supposed to be respected by the Health and Human Services were being ignored under the previous administration. So, finally, people will be able to get some help from their federal government, which is what they should be there for. And, you know, that's a win. I think, um, you know, taking away the fines, the individual mandates, a small win, but not quite enough because it's very easy for another administration to come back and bring that back. And so, you know, there, there's, there's light. But what I, will, what I will say is what I see is cooperation. There is an openness. There is an encouragement. You know, we have folks from Health and Human Services, folks from the Labor Department, folks from the IRS, folks from, you know, Congress that are all supportive 
of conscience rights that are all working together hand in hand, um, you know, to, to help make this happen. And so I think that's where the hope is, is that one of the greatest things, and you know, um, one of the greatest things I think about this administration is it's probably the, the most pro-life as far as people who have been hired in to different parts of the administration. There's just so many pro-life, pro, you know, pro-family Catholics and Christians, great leaders who have been appointed in government positions. And that's a huge win for us because they're there to help, uh, you know, hopefully create us create a, an environment where life can be respected yeah no absolutely talking to chris fatta solidarity health share one of the things i love about the march for life event and i'm sure you've found this out and you'll find it find it out even more so today as well is that it's it's a real ecumenical gathering it's not just this catholic event of catholics who are pro-life who are marching and gathering it, it's really cross-denominational of christians and believers all coming together. And I think what we realize now more than ever in our day and time is we need to link arms with our brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, who aren't Catholic or Protestant and and fight this, this good fight together. Um, have you, have you noticed that, that unity being built there? Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely this cooperation, this partnership. I mean, you know, our event last night was full of, you know, uh, obviously we have several Catholic leaders there, but people of all faiths and people from different, you know, departments in the government of different faiths who were there to, to celebrate the work we're doing as a Catholic organization. And, and it is, there's just this great hand in hand partnership. And I think it's one of those areas where we as Christians can really just band together and be on the same page mm-hmm. um, and not squabble over theological differences, you know, but, but come together. Uh, that was one of the great things I just witnessed in this prayer service I was in. You know, there's Father Frank Pavone, a priest for life, alongside several pastors and leaders in the in the pro-life movement. Yep. Uh, the Benham brothers, or Christian brothers, their father is a big pro-life pastor, who's close personal friends of Father Pavone. They've been working together for for decades now to you know to promote life, and so it really is this incredible opportunity for this kind of ecumenism where we come together um, to be one body. Yeah, it's one of the things that we have. Uh, in common that's very strong. I mean, we have a lot of things in common with our other Christian brothers and sisters um, as as Catholics, uh, but this is one that you can't argue about. We all believe in the dignity of human life. We all believe that God created us in his image and likeness, and, and we hold strong to that. I mean, that's a fundamental core um, you know, theology of, of that, that's woven in, into the, the reality of who God is and, and what we believe and it, it's it's real easy to come together on those things um, uh, because we really believe it. But then to march together, um, to stand together is so important. And and what I love is not only does it cross, you know, ecumenical lines, but it crosses racial lines, and and it builds unity across generations, religions, and races. Like this is. This is one of the things that brings people together because in, in the DNA of the human heart is to believe that God created us and created us good. Amen. And, and we all Amen. deserve life. So what you're going to see is, you know, uh, people from all walks of life, all generations, all shapes, sizes, and colors and face. And that is, that's the church, man. Like that's, that's, that's who so we amazing. are, right? Yeah. It, and I, and the thing I think about Paul, you know, and I, I, you know, I've been a part of World Youth Days. You and I have been to a World Youth Day together. It was probably one of our uh, most Best. interesting times together. 
best but, uh, trips you know, ever. Other than that, you know, <laughs> I haven't been a part of an event like this, mm-hmm. you know, here in the U.S. It's something, you know, the last time I remember taking the streets was when the Diamondbacks won the World Series in 2001. <laughs> and, you know, we I remember being on the corner and, and this musician in town saying, we're taking the streets. And we, like, marched through the streets <laughs> celebrating, you know, the victory. I love it. And in a lot of ways, I feel like that's what this is going to feel like, you know, coming together with all these people and, and, and just taking D.C. over uh, for life is just an incredible thing. I, I'm so excited about it. And I, I will say, too, you know, the thing I keep thinking is this pleases God. Mm. You know, us being together, this pleases God. Yeah. And, and when he's pleased, we're blessed, you know. And so um, really grateful for that. I will say something, too, you know, there, there's marches happening all over the country. And I think that's an important piece, too, for people to realize. It's not just the half million folks that are here today in D.C., but the thousands that will gather in cities across the country to do right. the same thing. Yeah. Uh, what a gift, you know, that we have so many people willing to stand up for life. Um, and it is, it pleases God. Yep. You're right. Uh, we have a March here in, in my own diocese, diocese of Lafayette, Louisiana, where, where I live. You, you have one in Phoenix. I, I know that that people gather there in DC is the, the main gathering. Uh, but it's cool that, um, the, those local events have grown over the years. People who aren't traveling to DC, you know, that are standing for life. And it's just really cool. I think, I think the stand that people are making are making a difference. And I know a, a lot of people say, well, you know, my little voice or my little stand doesn't make a difference. But when we stand together, that makes the difference. And that's when we all individually have to come out of our shells and begin to stand for something that we believe in. And that's where, uh, th- that's where change begins to happen. You know, I, I look back in the civil rights movement when, when people began to link arms, you know, uh, stand for truth and, and, and goodness and beauty and love and people, uh, that's when change began to happen. And uh, I, I love this March for Life. I, I think in a lot of ways it's been uh, referred to as the new civil rights movement. But, but we have so far to co- go, but yet we've come so far. And our ability as human people to love each other uh, and to love life will transform this world. I, I do believe that 100%. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so... Uh, Amen. I, it, it's incredible. Yeah, so talking to Chris Faddis at Solidarity HealthShare, um, you can check them out at SolidarityHealthShare.org. You guys are fighting fights, battles that, that I can't, you know, that I don't have relationships to, it, but whatever I can do to raise the awareness of um, the right to conscience, the right to life, the right to... to 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 just uh, be who God created us to be and to be free is huge for me. And so I want to thank you guys for the for the work you're doing and for your ability to be in the cold, man. March for life in the cold. <laughs> yeah, if you, you run into my daughter, man, she. Yeah. Yeah, we're. I'll have to. I'll I'll text you later. I want to find out where the group is. I'll go say hi to. Them. I know there's hundreds of thousands awesome. of people. If you randomly run into Marie, you know you're gonna be like. What? Yeah, but they're all going around the same places. That's what's crazy. So yeah, no, yeah. I'll, I'll look for Marie. So it's Marie this year. Yeah, she's awesome. she's uh she's beautiful. She'll be like, I don't remember you. I'll be like, I remember when you were this little. <laughs> she's so. beautiful like her mom, man. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So anyway. Uh, yeah, and and grateful for all the schools and all the people who have sacrificed. Uh, to make the journey out there. Chris, thanks for taking the time. I know you guys are about to march, literally are walking out into the streets. Thanks for being on the ground. Thanks for calling in and, uh, and talking to us today, bro. God bless you, brother. Talk to you soon. All right, man. Have a good one. You too. Right. Hey, hey, by the way, yep. congrats on the baby. Yeah, thanks, man.
It's been awesome. I don't think I've gotten to talk to you, so congrats. Yeah, thanks. Things going well? Yeah, things are going great. Yep. Thanks Good. so much, man. God Good. bless. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul George here. Great interview on the grounds, Washington, D.C., at the March for Life. Chris Faddis, huh? Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Just brings back memories. I've, I've been six times to the March for Life in D.C., and, I mean, it's just, it doesn't get any better as far as, uh, you know, taking a stand for, for a cause. What greater cause than life? Yep. Yeah, it was just really great talking to him on the scene. I mean, my daughter was there at the same time, and, you know, so many people I know wasn't able to make the trip. But you can certainly pray and walk alongside and, and be in unity and solidarity with this whole life issue, you know. Just interesting, man. I, you know, I, I, we got to continue to pray mm-hmm. and link arms uh, as Christians. And, uh, you know, it's interesting that, you know, it's, it's reportedly that Cecile Richards um, is stepping down from Planned Parenthood. She's the CEO of Planned Parenthood. Um, and I don't know what that means. You know, I'm sure they'll find some other person just like her to replace her. But, you know, over her toolage, you know, over 3.5 million babies have died basically is what you know the statistics show and it's just wild you know and uh i i don't know i mean we we can certainly march and that's good and we can certainly um you know um lobby and and do all those things and get involved in politics but i think above all those things we need to pray yeah i mean it's huge and i think prayer i know prayer can certainly change the world yeah it has Yep. So, anyway, man, uh, how about uh, six pack of questions staring at me over there? Question. <laughs> Something else, Paul. All right. Question number one. Um, so, talked about cold temperatures today. Yeah. Uh, what's the coldest temperature you've ever existed in? <clears throat> ever existed in? Like been alive in? Like experienced? Yeah, that one. I don't, uh, gosh, man, I, I've been around zero. I've hovered around zero somewhere. Really? Yeah. In, in my travels. Was that cold? It was, it was like, it was like so cold that it like, it hurt. Like it was like this, it was like needles sticking into your face. It was so Oof. cold. Well, people who live in winters like that, they basically don't go outside. Yeah. I mean, who would want to, right? Who would? What do you do in that weather? <sighs> Nothing. Question number two. Yeah. So we talked. To, we began the show talking about the Pope uh, blessing a marriage on a plane. Mm-hmm. If you could do anything on a plane, on a plane to be noticed, to be noticed, like to have a headline, to have a headline, what would it be? Gosh, because um, there are some things you could do that you don't want to be known for. Yeah. So. Easy. Okay. I haven't thought about this, but this is what I would do. Planes going down. 
Paul runs up, kicks open the cockpit. The pilots are passed out for some reason. I don't know. Maybe they've been drinking. Maybe they had a long night. Maybe they had the flu and they're dehydrated. Paul kicks open the doors, steps into the seat, put the headphones on, talks to the tower, and flies the plane and lands it. Hands down. That's Hands down, mean. headlines the next day. Hero guy flies plane. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. Do you think you get like free flights for life after something like that? You well, they make a movie after you. Yeah, and, that's and then true. you and then you just yeah, you blow up, you retire. You live off the royalties. So your speaking can turn into telling that story and then at the end talk about Jesus. Yeah. And then that people can get my book, which is coming out um this spring. But that's for real. Planes that is are for no real. planes. Planes are no planes. A <laughs> book's coming out this spring, and so then I could be in the headline and then people can find out about my book and when they find out my book which is called rethink happiness come out they can then discover who jesus is sounds like a plan to so me. god can use anything but if you're asking me that question <laughs> it wouldn't be to be get married by the pope it would be to fly that plane that would man. Be pretty cool and i've never flown a plane i don't know the first thing somehow i feel like you could do it though well here's the thing i would attempt but i don't know if i could <laughs> i know you could paul i'd kick it open I'd put those headphones on. <laughs> I'd sit in that seat. Let's do this. <laughs> and, and then we'd probably nosedive right into, you know, the ocean. No, I believe in you, man. All right, question number three. Right. So you've done a lot of work with young people, especially teens, over the years, and I'm sure the pro-life issue has come up a whole lot. Do you find that promoting a love for life among teens actually helps in promoting a love for Christ at the same time? Do you find that they go together well? I think it's hard to separate the two, you know, and I think, you know, in regards to like faith and conversion, I think many people can um, discover Christ or find out about the church and Christ through this idea of the pro-life movement, because I think in the very nature of people is to understand that life's important, that everyone has dignity. Um, and some people will frighten the pro-life issue who, who have never had a conversion. And so it, it's, a, it's a door into understanding the dignity of the human person. It's hard to understand the dignity of the human person unless you understand that we're all created in the image and likeness of God. And so I do find that the passion of young people to stand for something important, that even in the pro-life movement, is such a, a, a door or a window into discovering the fullness of who Christ is. Because Christ loves life more than anything. Yeah. Is the author, right? Yep. All right, question number four. So before your conversion experience as a young lad, when you th thought about abortion or, or life issues, like how did you process it? Do you remember like what you thought about it or whether you thought about it at all? You know, I, yeah, I, you know there's this thing called the natural law, mm -hmm. right? It's written in everyone's... DNA, our heart, we're, we're born with the natural law. The, the ability, and what we talk about the natural law, is just to, to naturally understand the, hu the, the human condition, right, even right from wrong, love. Mm -hmm. And we may translate that differently because of our experience or because of our brokenness or lack of understanding of what that law is. But written in the natural law of every heart is to understand that, that every human person has dignity. And I think, you know, I've, even in my own, before my own conversion, I knew that you know, killing a baby was wrong. I knew that even before a baby was born, like there had to be something intrinsically wrong with that child not having an attempt at life, right? And so 
as a young person, I think young people understand that really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what, what they, where they do get confused is not so much whether or not the baby deserves life. I think it's, it's the whole issue that, you know, of which the pro-choice side is, well, you know, the mom should have the right to make the decision. And that's when, that's when the catechesis, the teaching comes in, where, where people help you process how that life supersedes mother's choice, mm-hmm. right? And so that's, you know, young people today have that passion on either side, but written in the DNA is this understanding that, that life is good. Question number five. Do you encounter Catholics, like as you, you know, do your ministry and travel around over the years, Catholics that are full-blown Catholic, you know, they're going to Mass, they love Jesus and everything, but they actually support legalized abortion, they support the law at least. Do you, do you encounter this? Yeah, I do, actually. What's and, it like? Uh, you know, I don't know many Catholics who believe that killing the baby uh, should, you know, like they stand on that side of the issue. But mm-hmm. I, I do encounter Catholics who believe that uh, it, the mother's right supersedes the baby's rights. Mm-hmm. That the mother should have the right to determine that, you know, and so they they would say they're they're pro-choice, but they're not pro-killing the baby. They're not, you know, whatever. But it's just interesting to me because if you're going to stand on that side, then then you gotta on your conscience rests with the fact that that you're allowing a life to be killed, right? Yeah, you know, and but it's interesting because a lot of people who who and Catholics or Christians that I encounter who stand on that side of the issue are are in a lot of ways pro-life in other areas. Like they would be um, against capital punishment, which the church is, you know, against capital punishment. You believe in that we should, you know, kill someone who's who's in prison. Like, like every life has a chance and has dignity, right? And I know that there's certain points that the church would say that capital punishment is allowed, but it's, it's, it's rare. It's, 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 that it's, it's like in such minute percentage of when, right? And so I find that even those people are wrestling with the life issues in other ways, mm-hmm. you know, and so to be able to kind of bring it all together, like you can't be pro, you know, the church, you, you can't be pro-life and then be pro-capital punishment. Like pro-life is pro-life, right? Yeah. You know, like as Catholics, like we believe that everyone has the right to life, even those who have done horrible things. Yeah. And we got to wrestle with that. So on the flip side is I, I meet a lot of Catholics who are um, anti-abortion, pro-life, but are the first to be uh, pro-capital punishment. That's that's it. That's I don't know. Like we got to wrestle with the fact that if we're going to be pro-life, like we have to look at the church's teaching and and love people, man. Yeah, yeah. It's hard, you know. I think the only ones I've encountered with this kind of inconsistency are in the fertility area. Like, okay, I'm Catholic. I love. Yeah. But I think in vitro fertilization is okay or something right. like that. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's frustrating because, like, well, what do you mean? Because, okay, every life is sacred. Here's a human life. W- what's the what's the issue? Yeah. But yeah. but there is this block in a lot of people's mind. Yeah, and, and we have to meet people where they are in their struggle. And I think that's where dialogue happens. You know, there's a lot of people who are pro-capital punishment who's never even had a conversation with someone or even knows the church's teaching on it. Right. Right, so they're just like, yeah, that person is in jail, they've done horrible things, they deserve to die. You know, and and to be able to meet them in that in that conversation and just talk about it, a lot of times, 
you know, my own life, it's like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that. That makes more sense in the natural, natural order of my own heart and conscience. That makes more sense that that person's uh, life has dignity, mm-hmm. even, even though it's, we wrestle with it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Question number six. Wow. Here we are. Here we are at the end. Uh, Rounding out the six-pack of questions. (laughs) Top do and don't for pro-life today. Top do, top don't for the pro-life movement today. The top do is to pray, to get involved, to understand that we shouldn't lose hope, that we all together as Christians can make a difference. That's, That's the top do. Like, we shouldn't give up on this effort and be like, well, it's all in the government's hands. It's all in the political hands. And as Christians, we don't make a difference. This is what young people are teaching us. They're going to go march and they don't really even understand the fullness of the political system because they believe that life uh, deserves, you know, this opportunity. And so as adults, we can become a little bit bitter in that. And I think we need to get involved. We need to hop in. Uh, The top don't is, you know, I I think in in the pro-life and, and the whole debate, it used to just be a screaming match. And I think that's shifting, that's changing. Um, I think, you know, people are understanding, even pro-choice people, that that, uh, that um, life begins at conception. Like, science is teaching us that. We have so much more information. And I, th- there's there needs to be less screaming and hollering in the debate and more love and truth and just meeting people in that conversation. And so don't just assume that the person who's struggling on the other side of the debate is bad mm-hmm. and that and that like trying to force our issue it, it all happens in this conversation with people that's where conversion begins to take place on this right on well thanks paul <clears throat> yeah that was a great six pack man like yeah. like you Very really filling. really 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 thought that out well i mean Defending life is very important to me. I know it's very important to you. And, and in all seriousness, I mean, when when we have mediums like podcasts or, or whatever, um, and we live in America in, in 2018, and we don't talk about this issue, then there's something wrong, right? Like we, we um, it's almost a sacred duty to promote life. I mean, it is a sacred duty yep. to promote life at any chance we get. So I really appreciate the show today, man. Yeah, it was a good show. Thanks to Chris Faddis. And, you know, this is the time of year to do it, you know, anniversary Roe versus Wade, the the pro-life march happens around January, you know, in January every year. And, and this is the deal, man. Like, this is when we need to rally around it and get involved. And, uh, you know, I think as Christians, like, just challenging us all, like, in the pro-life issue, it is, you know, the abortion issue. But it to be truly Christian, the pro-life issue has to spill over into every area of the pro-life issue of our life. It has to be in the way we treat people every day, and it has to spill over in in the way we love people who are not like us, who are different colors than us, who are different backgrounds or socioeconomic levels. Like the pro-life issue as a Christian means that we love the dignity of everyone, every life. So from we say it. We say it all the time from conception to natural death. And a lot of times we just think, oh, we're defending babies and old people. But it's also everyone in between. And that's what it, when Christians buy into that, buy into that type of love, that's when I think the world's going to begin, begin to shift and difference will, will be made in culture. <laughs> There, I just I don't know off. what to say after that. Yeah, I just <laughs> sorry. Anyway, so thanks for listening to the show. I want to encourage you guys to share it on Twitter, on Facebook. Uh, you can find it at paulgeorge.la or on Twitter at paulgeorge, I, I, Facebook, and you know, share it. 
all those things. So thanks to Adam for being a part of the show and Chris Faddis. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. Have a